Grace, mercy, and the peace of Jesus. The one who was promised, the one who was to come, and the one who came at that first Christmas. The one whose way John the Baptist was to prepare. In this, in this season, our series is Prepare the Way. Because we want to prepare the way for our celebration of Christmas, preparing our hearts and our minds and our souls and our spirits, not just to celebrate Christmas, but to receive Jesus again, afresh, anew. The question this morning that we see in the gospel reading is, who are you? Who are you? I've been to a number of places, and, you know, it's the first time you're there, and there's a greeting or a time when people are gathered um, that maybe haven't ever met each other before. And so it's kind of typical for name tags to be put on um, when people who don't see each other often or haven't met before, hello, my name is, might be, you know, in the, in the letters across the top to, I guess, as, as like, just in case you didn't know what this rectangle sticker and this marker were for, um, you know, write your name on this thing and put it on there. Hello, my name is. Who are you? If you're logged in and joining us from somewhere else, there's a chance that you've put your name into that kind of screen identity that you have with the technology that we're using, you can give yourself a different name. So maybe you're logged in as, as iPad or something and nobody knows who you are, or maybe your name is there for everyone to see. Screen identities and logins are such a part of our lives now, right? How many usernames do you have to try to remember? Because just in case the computer forgot, right? Because a lot of them will come back. You know, you, you go to do your online shopping, and the site that you've used a number of times, they, they know who you are because that's the computer you've used before or the phone or the tablet or whatever your device is. But you still have to remember your password for some or most of them anyway. And that's important to remember our passwords, remember our usernames, because we don't want to leave ourselves logged into too many things too many places. And there's the, the, the whole, you know, state-issued ID and what do you have? And you, know, you have to have a real ID now if you're going to get on a flight, I guess. Um, not that anybody's going to be flying anytime soon. We were going to, but then we didn't, and it's good that we didn't. But you have to have that information, and we want to protect our identity and, and, you know, keep that secure. Because identity is important. As we think about that question, who are you, identity is important for us. We need to know who we are. We need to know who we are, but what does that mean? What makes you who you are? What makes you who you are? Is it just ancestry? As we look into the, the stories of the birth of Jesus, there are a couple of places where his ancestry is laid out. 
And, and with John the Baptist, whose story is in view here in John chapter 1, we understand who his parents were, right? So we know a bit about the backstory and the background and the people who have come before John the Baptist. Does that make him who he is? We have roles and responsibilities as people. Does that make us who we are? The things that we do, the, the responsibilities we have to carry out, certainly that's part of it. Recently, I've uh, had the opportunity to, to do some biking with some, some people I've known for a while, but a friend of theirs, and, um, you know, this is the first time we've met. And so we're getting to know each other, and, and yesterday I was out with those guys and learned that he was in law enforcement in a different city locally, and, and that was part of his identity, that he had done law enforcement. But there's more to that, right? There's more than what we do that makes us who we are. We have gifts and opportunities. We have things that we stand for, values that we carry, things that are important to us, priorities, how we spend our time, how we spend our money and resources that we have, that connects with our identity, our personality, our traits, our habits, our skills, all of that together make up our identity. And it's important. It's important to know who we are. But it can be a complicated question, and that question is asked twice of John in the gospel reading today. Who are you? Because people wondered about John's identity. John the Baptist, who's not the gospel writer for John, um, he's the one who's in the center of all of this action that's happening in the text. So the priests and Levites come out to ask John, and they don't have the backstory that we get in verses 6 through 9, especially 6 and 7. It says in there that he was sent from God. There was a man who was sent from God. So we read that, we know, okay, John has a particular role, and he's a sent one, sent from God. So there's something significant about that. His name is in there. His, he's John. But it says in there that he's a witness. The word that's translated witness there is the same word we, uh, same root as the word martyr that we have. In fact, the word martyr really means witness. The way that that word has transformed it is particularly now uh, a person whose witness is, has been um, to the point of death, right? That the, the value that they had or the story that they were telling or what they were standing for or what they died for, it was... It was that important. So they're a martyr for a cause. That's not what John is, at least not at this point. He's a martyr, meaning witness. He's a witness for the one who was to come. He comes to bear witness about the light. John 1 has already talked about that, that the light is coming into the world, and we know from that context that that is definitely Jesus. That John is not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. That's also part of this information that we get in the narrative here. 
But the priests and the Levites don't have that, and they come asking the question. This is in verses 21 and 22. They asked him, what then, are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Now, John was an interesting person. If he were to come today, his face might show up on the cover of magazines because he was interesting. He was different. Matthew and Mark tell us that his clothing was camel's hair and his diet was locusts and wild honey. That's interesting. Most people don't wear camel's hair and eat bugs. But it was more than just how he looked and what he ate that made John interesting. It was, it was what he was doing. And people came out to see, to see John, to see what he was up to, to, to hear his preaching and to be baptized. And a crowd gathered around John. And, well, nothing draws a crowd like a crowd, right? And nothing gets the attention of people in authority faster than when people are gathering together, right? There's something going on. We need to know what it is. We need to know who this guy is. Let's find out. So there was the investigation and into John's identity, and they come asking these questions, and John pointed to Jesus. He came as a witness to the light, to bear witness to the light. He's doing that, right? He answered their real question in verse 20. He's been asked, who are you? And in verse 20, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. See, that was the real question when they were asking, who are you? They weren't investigating just his identity and his background and what was he up to, but they wanted to know, are you the one? Are you the one who was to come? Are you the one who was promised? Are you the one who was prophesied? We've been waiting. Are you the one? Are you him? Are you that guy who we've, for whom we've been waiting? I'm not the Christ, John said. Well, then there are the follow-up questions, which we need to unpack a bit because at first they seem a little strange, right? Well, are you Elijah? That seems strange, right? You know, I, I wouldn't ask someone today, well, are you George Washington? Right? And that just doesn't make sense. Elijah has, that's ancient history, except, <laughs> except there's something there. Malachi 4, verse 5 says this, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. That is the second to last verse in the Old Testament. Malachi closes with verse 6, 
but verse 5 is this promise, I'm going to send Elijah. So, you know, how you, when you read the end of the book and, and like maybe the last words or the last thing that happens or maybe there, there's like that cliffhanger promise that's there, yeah, that sticks with you, right? These guys have read the book. <laughs> they know that there's this promise hanging in Malachi 4. And by Jesus' time, the Old Testament was already established. Like, this was the, these were the prophets uh, that were considered, you know, of use in the, in the tabernacle, in use in the um, temple, right, synagogues. This was what they used, and Malachi 4, verse 5 is the second to last thing that's read. Pretty significant. It's hanging with them. Are you Elijah? Are you the one that was promised in Malachi? So it's not as weird of a question as it sounds like. Well, John said no, but Jesus said yes. If we went to John chapter 17... This is after John the Baptist was beheaded. Then Jesus says, if you're willing to accept it, John was the Elijah who was to come. And in fact, in Luke chapter 1, verse 17, an angel speaking to Elizabeth, John's mother, says this about him. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. And then he goes on to quote Malachi 4, verse 6. So the angel connects John's identity with this promise in Malachi of Elijah who was to come. So is, is John that Elijah? <laughs> yeah. But he said no. And we'll come back to that. Well, how about the prophets? Are you the prophet? It's specific. It's not a prophet but it's the prophet. Who are they talking about? Well, Deuteronomy chapter 18 has this promise in it. The whole section in verses 15 through 18 are good, but verse 18 says this, I will raise up for them, this is God speaking to Moses, and he says this, I, God, will raise up for them a prophet like you, Moses, from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he will... He shall speak to them all that I command him. The religious elite knew this promise. Knew that there was a prophet who was to come. Specifically with the words of God to fulfill this promise. So it was a unique prophet of God. Not in the general sense, right? The prophet is significant. Again, John says no. And later we recognize and realize that Jesus himself fulfills that promise of the prophet. See, here's the thing. John understood his purpose and fulfilled his role. He understood that he came as a witness to bear witness about the light. And though he was Elijah, he didn't take the spotlight He was the Elijah who was to come, but if he had said, yes, I am he, right, that builds himself up and pulls the spotlight in on himself when his job was not to 
have the light, but to point to the light, to bear witness about the light. And though he was a prophet with words of God to speak to the people, with a role to fulfill, to prepare the way, he didn't want that role to stand in the way of what he was doing. He didn't want people's knowledge that he was a prophet, though they probably recognized that still. So here's how John finally answers. What do you say about yourself? Verse 23. I am the voice of one crying out, in the wilderness make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. I'm the one, I'm the voice that Elijah has prepared for you to hear. He pointed out that another was coming. I'm the voice in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Well, then why are you baptizing? I baptize with water. John goes on in verses 26 and 27. But among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. John pointed to Jesus, and of course he did. That was his role. That was his purpose, preparing the way for the one whose arrival the Pharisees, the scribes, the Levites were anticipating, were waiting for, but did not recognize, did not see, did not see in Jesus the fulfillment of these things. But John had a role to to fulfill, and that's what he did. Who are you? I'm the one who's preparing the way. I'm the one who's, who's blazing the trail for him to walk. He's coming. He's almost here, John was saying. Well, the question for us to think about this morning is, who are you? Who are you? Are you, what do you say about yourself? How would you answer that question that came to John? Who are you? Lately, because of how life is right now, we might not be meeting that many new people. So maybe we're kind of out of that practice of introducing ourselves and saying hello and getting... To, to meet new people and build relationships. and Of course, it starts, you know, with our names. We, we need that handle. We need that way to connect and speak to one another. But what else? What do you say about yourself? A lot of us like to talk about ourselves. We like to, you know, share stories of things we've done or places we've gone or accomplishments that we've made or, you know, special memories. And we're inviting you to do that in a couple of weeks, to send those videos in, to share your stories of Christmas. And we want to share good things, and, and it's a way that we can be identified and a way that we can connect with one another and find you know, mutual experiences or things that we share, and those things are important. Sometimes it seems there are those who are ready to share 
other more negative experiences. People whose pain is the first thing that they might talk about or early on, what is their suffering or their struggle? And, and maybe it's a cry for help, or maybe it's a desire for attention, and sometimes it's hard to figure out, but is that who you are? How do we let people know who we are? And how can we seize the opportunity to point to Jesus, to do what John did? In a different way, his role was unique in the history of the world as the, the one who was to prepare the way, the one who was the voice in the wilderness, the one who was Elijah, who was to come preparing the way for Jesus. But how can we point to Jesus as well? How can we do that as part of who we are as his people? Because our identity in Christ is made new. We are, by faith in him, children of God, that promise comes earlier in John chapter 1, at verse 12, to all who did receive him. This is actually in the part that we skipped over. To all who did receive him, that is Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who are you? You're a child of God through faith in Christ, claimed, washed, redeemed, made holy in his sight. Beyond where we're from, what we do, what our experiences are, who our family might be, that is an identity we can cling to, we can hold on to. In the midst of troubles and struggles and the trials of life, we can hang on to that, that we're children of God through faith in the one who was to come. And we can point to him, and how we do that is be the person you were made to be. Be the person you were made to be. See, a lot of times in our identity crises that we can get into, we look around and think, oh, I wish I was better at that like that person. I wish I had that experience like that friend of mine or that person that I saw. I wish I had the resources that he has or she has. I wish I, I wish I we shouldn't be wishing our lives away, what we've been given, the opportunities that we have, the identities that we have as people. Who has God made you to be? God called John for this specific purpose in this role. Who has he called you to be? Luther writes about vocation. And when he writes that, it's not about the work that we do exclusively, but he writes about the different roles that we have and how we can serve God in these various roles. As a husband or wife, as a parent, as a child, as a friend, as a neighbor, as a shoemaker, as a baker, I guess a candlestick maker too. How can we do that? How can we serve God through what we do by doing it to the best of our ability? by using the resources and the skills and the talents and the opportunities that we've been given to fulfill the roles that we have. We're not all the same. We're different people. We're unique in our DNA down to our very core. We are unique individuals. 
And God has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, given us a new identity as children of God, made us brothers and sisters in this faith, that we would live out our identity in Him. Let's live that identity. Who are you? You're a child of God, seeking to prepare the way for the Lord.